I'm sure these are words that so many of us have heard many times over many Good Friday services. But you know what? We have an infinite God and he can speak to you like he's never spoken before. And you might learn something new. So trust that you're open for that this morning. Father, we do thank you for this occasion again. And we ask that, that you will open our eyes and our ears that we might see Jesus, the one who was crucified, the Lamb of God. And Father, that you would, again, just help us to visit the cross again afresh and that there might be something new and, and, and uh, special for each one of us as we meet with you here this morning. We commit ourselves into your hands right now in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the uh, many prep talks that uh, we received as pastors in college uh, when we were training uh, was from a... One I can remember particularly was from a Christian psychologist. Um, she and her husband specialised in seminars and counselling uh, for ministers, counselling ministers and their, and their spouses. And uh, we were at this seminar one day and it was recommended to all the pastors that um, we have a hobby or we have some kind of interest where we start a project and we actually see it finished. And this was the rationale behind that was that because of the type of ministry, the type of work that pastors do, that they often do begin things. They often might begin a ministry, they might begin some project or something like that, and never actually see it finished. For whatever reason, um, they may never see it finished. So I guess for a lot of pastors, uh, there's a lot of us that have unfinished business in the world. <laughs> And so that was the rationale, I guess, for them saying that you needed to have something that you actually see, that you start and then you see it finished. So that was their advice. Have something that you, that you not only start, but will give you the joy and the satisfaction of actually seeing it completed as well. And I wonder if that was, is unique just for ministers. I mean, have you never... Am I speaking to anyone here today where you've started something, you've never finished it yet? I'm trying not to look at the, at the wives going like that to their husbands, you know. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but I wonder. But aren't you glad, aren't you glad that on this Good Friday service, that on this Good Friday, just to know that the work that the Father gave his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do, the work he gave Jesus to do, Jesus completed he finished it completely. And in John's Gospel, and in fact it's only in John's Gospel that you'll find those final words that Jesus uttered from the cross when he said, it is finished. It is finished. The Greek translation of that word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. And I like what Chuck Swindoll says about this word. I like his comment. Uh, that uh, he makes about the word that Jesus spoke. Let me just read that to you. After, after drinking the wine, he knew, sorry, he drew one last breath and cried, Tetelestai. Jesus may have uttered this last word in Greek to be understood by Jew and Gentile alike. More likely, however, he spoke Aramaic, which John translated into Greek. Archaeologists have found papyrus tax receipts with tetelestai written across them, meaning paid in full. With Jesus' last breath on the cross, 
he declared that the debt of sin cancelled, completely satisfied. And then, as John declares emphatically, Jesus willingly gave up his life. He willingly gave his spirit over to death. No one took his life from him. It is finished, paid in full. The debt of sin cancelled completely. And you know, the Good Friday service is a good day for believers to once again come and reflect with awe and wonder upon the cross where Jesus was not only willing to count the cost, but where he paid the price in full for our salvation. But where he also secured the gift of eternal life and complete deliverance from the power of sin, death and hell. And I don't think we kind of really grasp how magnificent that is. I think our sister Rita does right now. But I don't think we kind of get that yet. But Paul did. I believe Paul did. He was the one who said these words. And, and it's no wonder Paul said words like this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And you know, for those who may be among us here and you have not yet discovered this truth for yourself, that, this, that, that the new life that Christ offers, the one who puts their trust in him, this Good Friday service is also a good day for you. It's a, it's a good day for you to seriously consider what Christ has done for you. And I want to be very honest with you as well here this morning. We, I like the honesty of our preaching in this church. And I'll be honest with you this morning. It's a good day for you to consider what Christ has done for you. But it's also a good day to consider the consequences of ignoring such a great salvation. Because you see, there are consequences to ignoring that. And we need to know about those consequences. Not just say to be a Christian is lovely and it's, you know, life is wonderful and so on. That's not necessarily true. We need to consider what the consequences of us saying, well, well no, thanks very much, I'm okay. You keep your religion to yourself. And I think the writer to the Hebrews uh, gives us a bit of an idea as to what those consequences might be. And I want to read the amplified version of the Bible uh, with this passage from Hebrews 2 verse 3. And it says this, How shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever? For it was declared at first by the Lord himself and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. That was the amplified version. Jesus finished the work that his father gave him to do. And I love how he says, how he speaks of this in John chapter 17. He says this, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. American theologian Albert Barnes, who lived 145 years ago, 
He described those last words of Christ in this way. It is finished. The suffering and agonies in redeeming man are over. The work long contemplated, long promised, <clears throat> long expected by prophets and saints is done. The toils in the ministry, the persecutions and mockeries and the pangs of the garden and the cross are ended. And man is redeemed. What a wonderful declaration was this. How full of consolation to man. And how this dying declaration of the Saviour should reach every heart and affect every soul. Albert Barnes. And so it should. So this news should reach every human heart and affect every soul. You know, because the death of Jesus Christ on the cross has far-reaching effects. Far-reaching effects on the whole of humanity and indeed on the whole of creation. And this morning, briefly, I want to share with, with you just four of the many effects. But briefly, I just want to share four of the, those, these effects or the results of Christ's death this morning. So the first one, <clears throat> when Jesus said it is finished, Satan's power was crushed and he became the defeated enemy. Or as R.A. Torrey uh, once described it, he said, the death of Christ was the death of Satan's power. And Jesus said in John 12, 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And the apostle Paul also wanted to make sure that this declaration should reach and affect every soul and every heart as Barnes talked about. And the Apostle Paul made sure that was going to happen by what he taught to the Colossian believers when he said this in chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. He said, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. All our sins. Having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Doesn't want to make you shout hallelujah. What a saviour, what a God we have. Look what he's done for us. Look what a price he paid for us. How can we neglect that? You know, when, when Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, Satan was finished in that he no longer had the power of death over those who appropriated to themselves the death of Christ on the cross. And I wonder this Good Friday morning if you've done this yourself yet. I wonder if you've done this yet. I wonder if today should be the day that you consider this seriously. Now, do you believe that when Jesus spoke those words, it is finished, that he did that for you personally? Because he did. Because you see, the second effect or result of Christ's death on the cross was when he said it is finished, he took away the sin of the world. Took it away. And that means your sin and mine. And that means that, that, means that also he's opened the way. They opened the way for forgiveness. 
forgiveness. In our studies of John's gospel that we're doing here at the moment in this church, we've been reintroduced again to John the Baptist who, when he saw Jesus on this particular occasion, immediately knew by the Holy Spirit what this sent one's mission was. And we have these words from John when he said this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And those who heard him would have known that John was making some kind of reference to the symbolism of the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. And the apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, saw Christ as the fulfillment, as the fulfillment of all the old covenant sacrifices in particular where the blood of an animal was offered as an atonement for human sin. And even then, and even then, the blood of an animal could only cover human sin. It could never take it away. It could never take it away. Only the blood of Christ could do that. And Peter says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with... The precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. It is finished. Tetelestai is what Jesus said in his last breath. Interestingly, uh, this same word would be used by a priest after examining an animal for sacrifice. And found that this animal was without blemish or defect, which it had to be. Otherwise, it could never be used as a sacrificial animal, lamb or anything else. And so when the priest had inspected this animal carefully, even lifting the eyelids of the animal to make sure there was no blemish or spot or defect, it had to be perfect. And when the priest was satisfied with this animal, he would say, Tetelestai. Tetelestai. And Jesus was that perfect lamb of God, without spot, blemish or defect, who shed his blood on the cross to take away the sins of the world. That means yours. That means mine. There was once a rather eccentric evangelist named Alexander Wooten who was approached by a flippant young man who asked, what must I do to be saved? It's too late, Wooten replied, and went about his work. The young man became alarmed. Do you mean that it's too late for me to be saved, he asked. Is there nothing I can do? Too late, said Wooten. It's already been done. The only thing you can do is believe. And that's where it is for us today. That's where it is for us today as well. It's, it's already been done. You see, it's tetelestai. It's finished. Now, it's simply a matter of, do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has taken away your sin? That's where it is. It's already been done. It's finished. It's up to you now. Do you accept what Jesus has done for you? John 3.16 Right through to verse 18, I want to read those words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever 
believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, it's pretty simple really, isn't it? It's not rocket science. The gospel's so simple. It's just that we've got a problem sometimes in accepting that. You need to hear what God's saying to you today. You see, the third effect or result of Christ's death on the cross, when he said it is finished, was that he gave us access into the very presence of God himself. Access to God himself. And you know, the most dramatic display or sign of this amazing truth was when the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Mark gives us that account. He says, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the very fact that it was torn from top to bottom and not from bottom to top, I think, was that it was a, I believe it was just indicative that this was a direct action of God himself. Where God chose to, to, to rent this inner curtain or veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. God did that to open that way now. It is finished. Meant that Jesus' death now gave us a new and living way of free and direct access to God himself. And Jesus is that way. He is that new and living way. And that's the message that the writer of the Hebrews wanted to announce to his readers when he said these words. In Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 22, he said, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence now, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and full assurance of faith. Isn't that awesome? So when you get on your knees and pray, what you're really doing through the Lord Jesus Christ, you're reaching God himself. You're entering in by your spirit to that very place that was once separated, kept us out. But now we have this wonderful access to God himself. That's powerful. I used to love listening to Rita pray at times. She had a closeness with God. It was just a joy to be in her presence. She loved the Lord, knew that she had direct access to God. Awesome. So do you, through your faith in Jesus. This is what this It Is Finished is all about. R.A. Torrey, he says of this, he says, God is holy, yes, and I am a sinner, yes, but by the wondrous offering of Christ, once for all, I am perfected and on the ground of that blood, so precious and acceptable to God, I can march boldly into the very presence of God. Oh, wondrous blood, he says. And it's all made possible, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
Jesus alone finished the work his father gave him to do and went all the way to Calvary's cross and was able to proclaim, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. Now you and I, who were once separated from God, can know his awesome presence, his unsearchable love and his amazing forgiveness in our lives and I've got to ask you again do you know what I'm talking about this morning do you know what I mean when I say that do you really really know what I mean as we talk about this again this good Friday morning because you see if you do then you'll also know that when Jesus uttered those final words on the cross it is finished he made it possible for those who believe in him to enter eternal life Eternal life. It's his forever life. That's what it is finished means. That's the, that's the effect that it has. The benefit. And personally, I don't know about you, personally, I can't think of any result from Christ's victorious tetelestai greater than this. That he's opened the way for eternal life, for us to be with God forever. Can you? What's greater than that? 1 John 5, 11 and 12. People need to know these verses because there's so many saying, I hope I'm saved. I hope that I have eternal life. Well, you don't hope like that. You know, because God's word said that. Listen, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And the psalmist knew this truth when he said these magnificent words. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. One thing, he says, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And again, sorry for saying this, but I can't think of anyone else but Rita right now. I had the joy of sharing these words with her. And now she is. She's, I, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That's what she's doing. That's what you and I have in Christ because of the tetelestai. So in closing, um, these words of King David, the psalmist, not only remind me of Rita, which has just happened, but when I was writing this scripture, this sermon, it reminded me of a man that I met on the beach many years ago now. I was in the ambulance service back then, and our family would often go to Caloundra on holidays. And this particular year that we were there on holidays, I met this guy on the beach, and we started talking, and it wasn't long before we realised that we were both Christians, we were both believers in Christ. And... And, you know, I used to, used to catch up with this bloke a number of times while I was on the beach. And, and, uh, and uh, this, this guy wasn't very well. He'd, had, he'd suffered a number of strokes uh, over his life. He was a guy probably in his 70s or early 80s or something. And uh, just a delight to talk with. And, uh, and, and as we were talking, one day he said something to me that, that sounded a little bit odd. And I didn't quite understand what he meant. He said this. He said, David, you know... When I get to heaven, I don't think that I'll see you there. 
And I was kind of a bit puzzled about that and a little bit worried, I suppose. I wondered what he meant. And before I had a chance to ask him what he meant, he said straight away, and I could see tears starting to well up in his eyes and his, his voice became emotional. He said, I won't be able to take my eyes off him. That's what he said. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Tetelestai, it is finished. That's what Jesus has done for us. But how tragic it is that so many people don't have that absolute assurance as my friend at Caloundra had and as our sister Rita had. How tragic that so many. And if you're like me, we've got family members who don't have that assurance. That absolute assurance. But you know what? This morning, I just want to say this as I finish. What really matters on this Good Friday service is that you do. You're here this morning. You're hearing what God's been saying to you through your word. That's the thing that matters, that you walk out of here this morning with the absolute assurance that Jesus said it is finished and he had you in mind. Have you got him in mind this morning? Do you know him? Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you. What else can we say, Lord? What words are adequate, really, to say thank you? Lord Jesus, please help us to have some comprehension of what it costs you, just so that we might worship you in a deeper way, just so that you might perhaps remove anything that's flippant and superficial about all this. Just draw us deeper into your love and help us just to marvel at you. Help us to enjoy your presence today. Whatever the day unfolds for us, Lord, help us to have that, just that quiet awareness of your presence and just a heart of gratitude to you for all that you've done, Lord. Jesus, we're so grateful this morning that you said tetelestai. We're so grateful to you that you paid the price in full. So grateful. There's nothing more to be done. It's finished. And now it's up to us to accept you or to reject you. And I pray, Lord, this morning here that every person in this building will walk out of here knowing Jesus as their own personal Lord and Saviour. So continue, Lord, to do your work. We pray that you would this morning. Do that work. Do that thing, Lord, that only you can do by your spirit. It's not a human thing. No man, no woman, nothing. We can't do that. Only you can touch the human heart. Do that, Lord, for your glory. And help us to be a people. A people of power, people of worship, people who want to tell others this fantastic news. Perhaps even today, Lord, you might bring someone across our path. We might just share a word with them of the hope that we have because of this Good Friday that we celebrate. So we look forward to your hand upon us as you guide us out of this building and into your day, into a world that needs to know the light and the truth, the answers that you have. We commit ourselves to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. We bless you, we lift you up and pray that you'll guide our steps today. In Jesus' precious name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless your church.